The Colorado Business Roundtable unapologetically tells the story that business is a force for good in our community, featuring conversations with thought leaders from academia, business, community, and government. Welcome to A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. And I'm Debbie Brown with Colorado Business Roundtable. And we're excited to bring together thought leaders here in Colorado who represent academia, business, community, and government, all mission aligned that business is a force for good. And today I'm really excited to bring to the table for the for our first interview with Mary Zapone, who's the CEO of Sundyne, and got to know Mary about a year ago because we had similar backgrounds in oil and gas and some other industries where we found some great commonality. And I also was eager to bring her on to the board of directors for Cobert. So glad to welcome you to the show, Mary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So I kind of kick it off, Mary, because you're also new to town. Uh, you and your husband have, have made Colorado your home. And I think it's always fun to hear a little bit more about um, you as a person. Tell us more about your story, personal and business. How did you end up here today? And probably like a lot of people, long, windy road. Um, I was born in California, but grew up um, in the D.C. area in Maryland. Was always on the personal side, good at math and science and always enjoyed that, including going to a science and technology magnet high school. And then I did study uh, chemical engineering in um, at Johns Hopkins and then received an MBA in finance from Columbia Business School. After that, I did work at multiple larger companies. So I was with uh, several, you know, Fortune 100 companies, including Exxon, GE, as well as Tyco and Alcoa. And I also worked at McKinsey, where I learned, you know, I had a good background and good training there. I later got into private equity. I was with a former boss, and then we'll talk, I think, a little bit about that as well as just the relationships along the way. And this is now uh, my fourth private equity CEO role. It has been with different private equity firms. And I, what I like is that along the way, I've worked in operations. I've worked in finance. I've worked in operational excellence. And I think all of those things really prepared me to to be able to be a CEO. And that's what I really enjoy being a private equity middle market CEO, which is, and this job is in Denver. I've lived in um, multiple different states, always in the US, but I've had multiple global roles along the way. Which I love. It's, it feels like Denver is always the destination of choice. We get such interesting people because they want to move here and live here and, and kind of, uh, you know, experience all that Colorado has to offer. You mentioned working in lots of different industries, different types of industries as well, big and small, private equity backed. What are kind of the common themes that you would say uh, for folks listening, maybe who are newer in their career, what would be some common themes or general business principles that have helped you along the path to have that, that level of success? I think one of the most basic ones, but it's helpful even today, I talked to my teams about it. It's called completed staff work. You can Google it. There's a lot about it. But it's the idea that you should be trying to bring a full recommendation forward and that your boss's job is more of like saying yes or no. And now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have opportunities with your boss to be able or your colleagues to be able to talk about you know, different ideas and brainstorm. But instead of just bringing like one potential solution or a bunch of different ideas is actually have a point of view. Like maybe here's the three alternative. Here's the assumptions. Here's the one I recommend and here's why. And that really is good because you're learning a bigger picture to put that together. And you're also making your boss's life easier. 
I've never heard of it phrased that way. Apparently, I'm not reading the right magazines or the right uh, Wall Street Journal articles Very, because um, I haven't heard of it quite like that. Yeah, it's like a military principle, but it's I heard about it way back when I was at Exxon, and I think every company since I talked to my team about that. And it's very it's very helpful to people because I think we've all been in a meeting where everybody's waiting to see what somebody else's opinion is, and this is more like, look, you have your own opinion, like have a point of view on that. The other little tip I use because I, I noticed it along the way is I call it be the somebody. And what I mean by that is just throughout my career, I might be at a meeting, a town hall or a different meeting, and somebody will say, you know, somebody should change the overtime policy. Somebody really needs to change the break room. There's always these things that somebody should be doing. And I think they usually think that I'm that somebody. And so what I challenge a team is, you know, be the somebody because 80 to 90% of those things they could actually resolve. And I don't mean by themselves because that I understand they could not, but if they gathered a little group of people together to come up with a cross-functional solution and brought it say to me or to whoever their the relevant leader is in a completed staff work way, they're probably gonna get the solution they want. I've also reflected because people have asked me how I got to this role, uh, many times early in my career, I realized I was the somebody. I was the one gathering people up and saying like, hey, there's this problem sitting in the middle of the room. Let's grab this finance person, this HR person, these couple technical people, and let's put together a solution. And I'm not saying that it always worked, but it worked enough of the time that I think then people give you more responsibility. I was able pretty early on to be able to assess people and figure out what piece they were bringing and like grab that little piece from a group of people and and get, I'll say, even extraordinary things by building just about always like a good cross-functional team or problem-solving team. Yeah, I love that as well. It, it sounds like you um, either were empowered or sought out and seized opportunities, and now you're wanting that same empowerment for your team. Um, I've, I've heard that from a mentor of mine in kind of a different facet where he always encouraged people to bring bring the solution. If you don't come with a solution, he's like, why are you here? Like, Come with a solution. I can't come up with all the solutions. And he was probably a little bit more abrupt in his style. I think, um, <laughs> you know, maybe That's a little a similar more concept. Like 30 years ago. There were similar concepts, right? Yeah. To yeah, try to be absolutely. a problem solver. Absolutely. And, and everybody needs to be at the table. I think in particular, uh, you know, coming out of COVID, coming out of all the other challenges we've had in the past three or four years and hopefully turning the page on that. And, Speaking of turning the page, I know, particularly because you're a global company, what are the biggest challenges for you now? Do you feel like we're in sort of this post-COVID world? What are the challenges that you're facing, you know, running a global business? Yes, and I'll, and I'll mention a little bit about who we are. So I lead Sundyne. We're a private equity-backed global company, and we have close to 1,000 employees internationally. We have four key manufacturing sites, and the largest one is actually here in Arvada, so outside of Denver, and that has about 400 employees, and then the rest of the employees are in our manufacturing sites outside of Madrid and Spain, in Dijon, France, and in Eastbourne, UK, and then we also have multiple employees, you know, sales team and other folks across the world. In other words, we need to look at the whole world as we think about our plans. So the the opportunities and challenges, there's um, like many, there's just we keep a really close eye on supporting what the markets need. So right now we are supporting a lot of growth in our end markets because we serve petrochemical, we serve refining, we serve renewables, 
we serve carbon capture, LNG and hydrogen. So we are serving both our base energy, which is powering, you know, most of the world now, as well as current customers to help them transition, whether they're adding carbon capture to existing facilities and then newer technologies like hydrogen. A big growth area for us right now is uh, liquefied natural gas. You'll hear it talked about as LNG, and we make a lot of compressors and also pumps for that. And that also is really important to respond. That was partially a response to some of the issues with uh, Russia and Ukraine is that different countries wanted more energy independence, which LNG is a good, clean energy transition fuel to support many of those other regions of the world. And would you, and and thanks for that, Mary, I think I jumped ahead because I was so excited to just jump into the interview, but um, thinking globally, uh, but being based here in Denver, are there particular challenges or opportunities that are really front and center for you in terms of how you're leading Sundine? I think like a lot of manufacturing companies right now, or maybe all is dealing with the supply chain issues that came out of COVID and, you know, and continued even beyond that. So we're looking at things like dual sourcing, we're looking at, or or even more than that, even if you have dual sourcing, not having dual sourcing from the same region of the world. Um, also talent, I know that's um, big, important on all of our minds. So one thing is that we are a manufacturing company in Colorado, which I am very passionate about, but it, it also has its own um, tricks with that because there's not that much manufacturing. So just from best practice sharing, even um, talent, some people, uh, some positives are that people that are in Denver want to be in Denver, but not everybody wants to move to Denver if they've never been to Denver, particularly if they don't see it as like a broader manufacturing hub. So that's something that, you know, I'm really want to continue to support. In fact, we're growing ourselves in Denver. We're doing a multi, well, in Arvada, but I just call it all Denver. We are doing a multi-million dollar expansion at our site right now. We just broke ground. And that's to support the broader, um, you know, both, again, current energy support, including, you know, LNG, as well as then hydrogen. So we're expanding our footprint and we're we are actually in process of hiring and struggle with getting enough people of, at the caliber we want to continue to grow at the pace we want to grow, whether that's in Denver or globally. As you know, we're having a big event tomorrow. I mean, I don't want to make the podcast seem untimely for people who might be <laughs> listening to it late, but workforce is the number one issue we keep hearing from every employer spanning every industry. And so as we're leaning in as Colorado Business Roundtable, trying to help with uh, strategies on co-creating of talent with our traditional institutions of higher ed, with the community college system, with skills-based jobs, I know that's a big factor for other employer employers too. Would you say that's your number one issue is, is workforce or is it sort of just in the top tier? It's definitely a top one. So I'd say talent, you know, workforce for us, but also some of the supply chain issues globally relate to talent globally. So there's things like foundries and machining, you know, capacity, whether it's a, we don't have our own foundries, but on machining, that's an issue for us locally. But also if you try to outsource it, it's also a talent issue globally. You, you we just don't have some of these uh, jobs and the level of expertise we have, you know, maybe somebody with 40 years experience that might retire and you might be able to bring them in, bring in a new, say, machinist. But of course, they're just not the same level of experience as somebody who's retired after all those years. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when you first talked about your background with science and math and, you know, some of your experiences. 
um, to understand an industry like this, I would think requires that level of specificity that you gained even early in your career. Would you say that's come in handy as well? Yes, it definitely, it's what I love about being a CEO and being in these more industrial and energy fields is I really enjoy looking at what's going on in the end markets. So whether that's chemicals or hydrogen now or other renewables, and then looking at how, what do I have? Like whether it's my facilities or our technology, in this case, we have really strong technology as well as great manufacturing sites and just a very strong team overall. And then how do we leverage that? to, you know, lock in what we're already great at and then also grow. So we're looking to, you know, we are, we are a profitable company and we're looking to, I know, you know, Profits and Purpose is part of the Colorado Business Roundtable mission is we look at both as well. We do a lot of things to support the community and we also are very focused on, you know, profitable growth, not just growth to grow revenue, but also to grow profits and continue to employ, you know, grow our staffing as well. Yeah, I think you took you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, we really talk about profits and purpose as a framing mechanism for Cobert, the dignity of work, uh, you know, how keeping companies competitive and healthy in Colorado's economic environment, you know, is really about helping the individual at the end of the day. It not only provides products and services anyway, you know me, you know, I can go on and on about that. I'm really passionate, okay. but <laughs> yeah. Sundine rings to the Colorado market, even though Arvada is a you know, um, up north, it still affects Denver metro region. So it's exciting to have your company here, having it grow, having it prosper. Is there anything Cobert can do sort of in within that lens to be supportive of Sundine and, and what you're building, Mary, into the future? Yeah, I think that, and I know some of it's happening already. It's just been great for me to get to know you, Debbie, as well as many of the other CEOs for both the profit and nonprofit organizations. We do have, you know, I participate in many of the events as well as my team. I know again, it, the people listen later, but we have some of the team participating in the, in the talent event tomorrow. And I've definitely participated in others. So I think learning more about uh, best practices and some of the things that are happening within Denver. But also what I've really enjoyed is the other CEOs I've met have been they're quite global in their thinking. And so some of the things we face, whether again, whether it's talent supply chain, just how do you grow a business? How do you keep talent engaged? That's been really helpful to get to know those, you know, those peers and colleagues as well. Yeah, that's great. And I think too, even if folks don't operate globally, uh, they're globally minded, knowing how big of a hub Denver and the surrounding area is becoming and how we're all tied together. So um, that's that's awesome, Mary. And I've really appreciated your support with Cobert as well and having you on our board of directors. So switching gears, I want to, I, I might be surprising you with this, but we started this lightning round a couple months ago with people that we have on the podcast. And it's just kind of fun to get to know people better, a little bit more about how they think, what they do. Um, so are you ready? Are you okay doing a lightning round with me? Ready. Or I'm okay. ready as I'll ever be. Maybe that's what I should say. As ready as I'll ever be. I know. I always laugh. I'm like, if people put me on the spot, I'm like, okay, no math questions. But you'd probably be like, no, no, I can do math questions. That would be easy. <laughs> so first, tell me your favorite powerhouse lunch or happy hour. Uh, powerhouse lunch. I like Edge at the Four Seasons. That one's good for breakfast or lunch, I'd say, or dinner for that matter. And easy parking. I like that as well. And easy parking. I like that a lot. <laughs> Best way to relax. I'd say I live in Wash Park, so I'd say Walk Wash Park. 
Um, and I also more recently have picked up reading again. So now I'm starting to read a bit more, but primarily audible, I might say on my, on my driving. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of a, in quotes reading, but yeah. uh, at least being exposed more to books. So that's, that's a good way. I'll have, might have to get your tips on that. Um, so favorite binge at the moment, it could be a book, a podcast, a Netflix series. What's, what's, what's binge worthy for Mary? I, it's not right now. And it's, it's a bit old, but I love Silicon Valley um, back in the day, that little series. So that was a good one, but button hooked into any of the more recent ones. <laughs> I'll send you a couple, couple binge ideas. Okay. Since we're on the yeah, I don't, I don't need more things to spend time on. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> it's kind of it time, time waster. And then um, last for you, Mary, what's your best business advice you've received to help you get a seat at the table? One one was literally to go get a seat at the table. So I was in, um, I was leading OpEx for a division and the head of HR, you know, everybody couldn't fit, right? You're somewhere in the peanut gallery. And I was presenting and one of the guys was not who had, you know, was at the table and the head of HR just like pointed at me and he just like, get your butt to the table, right? (laughs) So, and so I just thought it was, it was literally like you need to be sitting there. And so that that's like one. One is um, the whole completed staff work, which we already talk about, talked about. But one that I've reflected on, because when I do a lot of mentoring for people that I've thought about is I have consistently ended up in jobs because I was referred by somebody else, including in my current job. I was referred by somebody that I worked with literally 20 years ago. So I think it's just always doing to the best of your ability an exceptional job being very trustworthy, building up people like my my chief human resource officer. Has, this is his fourth time working with me. Uh, my head of M&A. This is my third time working with her yet. Also, so, you know, having followership and people that you trust and they trust you, but also really understanding talent. And, you know, because we there's plenty of talent on my team that was here when I got here that, is, that are, you know, awesome as well. And just literally looking at what's what are the specific skills people have and then bringing them together i'm very big into this cross-functional problem solving and you know doing that and doing exceptional way and driving results that really you know are unmatched i'd say yeah i love that kind of a a people focus understanding talent understanding people and executing well is that a good summarizing Mm -hmm. yes great very cool well, Mary, um, really fun to get to know you. This is a conversation we haven't had, even though I, I, you know, we've had a lot of interactions over the last year. So I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, this was our interview with Mary Zapone, the CEO of Sundine. And we'll put some other details in the body of the podcast. So you can hear more about um, Mary and what she's doing with Sundine and Um, we'll have more conversations with CEOs like this again. So thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Colorado Business Roundtable, A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. Thanks for joining us. A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown is a production of the Colorado Business Roundtable. You can find this episode, a listing of our upcoming events, and more information about our organization at cobrt.com.